0: good snacks all
1: complete snack is snack time is over
0: snack time's over podcast time has begun yeah or maybe we could just go straight to nap time
1: (laughs) oh nap time would be good actually that's probably (laughs) coming
0: after this but yeah yeah um how's uh how's philadelphia well it's it's really nice i mean the weather's beautiful and um really Ah, jerk!
1: Yeah, (laughs) it's
0: terrible here. I mean, it's like it's fine, but it's like the heat index has been like 104 every day. Oh man, it's been yeah. Well, I guess no. I I walked around this afternoon. It was super nice. It was like high seventies. Oh, and uh, in the evening, it'll get down to like 68, 70. Um, Really great for like an evening walk. And um, I'm still digesting my snack. (laughs) Um, But I was going to say that lately we've been getting in the habit, Mary and I, of just going on like an evening walk now that the weather's nice. And I really love Philadelphia for, you know, as much as I hate on it for other reasons. I really like that it's got just beautiful places to walk around it's you know you got the cobblestone streets some houses have like old-fashioned oil lanterns flickering on the street and a lot of really well-preserved kind of historical buildings um and so it's pretty nice kind of ambiance for taking an evening stroll (laughs) especially when the weather's pleasant yeah
1: it does sound nice here in st louis um in the evening, it gets cool enough that you can actually go outside. <laughs> so that's a plus. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's actually pretty lovely in the evening. Um, I don't know, like a warm, humid evening is mm. like strangely nice in a way that like a hot, humid day is the worst.
0: Okay. You know, like, yeah, warm and humid. Okay.
1: I had this like huge wave of nostalgia last night. I like walked out because I, you know, I'm from St. Louis, I lived in Chicago for 10 years. And then I come back and I had this huge wave of nostalgia of when I was a kid and I remember going outside in the summertime when it was super humid in the evening Mm. and I just like the smell of the air and like the feeling, it was like this big rush, you know, nostalgia. It was kind of nice, but you know,
0: that's how it gets
1: paired up against like, I mowed the lawn earlier this morning and it was like, (laughs) I can mow for like 30 minutes and then I'm like crawling back inside to get some water and was, air was
0: there no nostalgia with having to mow the lawn as a kid or anything?
1: <laughs> uh, no, well, it's just so different. I have a I have a yard that is like maybe <laughs> less than a tenth of an acre, you know? Oh, yeah? And uh, when I was a kid, we mowed three acres. So it was just very, very different. Um, I actually liked mowing the lawn. I liked doing the riding mowing. Hmm. Because it was kind of nice. I mean, it was hot, but like you were driving something, and then yeah, that would also, be nice. like it's like vibrating the whole time, so it's kind of like I don't know. I think there was something to that vibration <laughs> the whole time. Where you're just like, uh,
0: uh, yeah, uh, nice. <laughs> a and massage you'd, like, chair. Like get off,
1: and your vision was like still like kind of twitching <laughs> it's, you've been vibrating oh, for like man. an hour on this mower.
0: Yeah, that happened to uh like whenever i was uh, riding my bike for a long time on like a bumpy road and you're like clenching onto those handlebars and then you get off yeah. and your hands are like almost numb and <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah totally but totally. um
1: so, yeah, I, that's, that was nice but yeah it's it's just been really hot here i don't i mean i, I guess i just forgot how bad that was because like in chicago it got hot but it just never was this humid yeah so it just seems really oppressive here
0: when when was when did summer start I didn't even, I didn't get notice that this happened, um. but I definitely feel it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's funny not supposed
1: to start right for like.
0: Oh no! <laughs> another. Week. I don't even know. Yeah, what's the first day of summer is, but I always know the first day is spring because that's my mom's birthday, uh, March twenty mm-hmm. second. <laughs> mm-hmm. I paused for a second. I was thinking, is it April? But no, it's March. And um, <laughs> yeah. Ap- oh, I remember getting tripped up because April. 20-something is like another culture's first day of spring. I forget what, maybe some Eastern European thing. Uh, So it's like they're off by a month. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. It's funny. It happens pretty much the same time every year, and yet it's not a thing I ever remember, like the first day of fall, first day of summer, whenever these seasons happen. Yeah. But, yeah, it's definitely been feeling like summer. And speaking of nostalgia, I was just going to say that I get that way when it's, like, full-on autumn and um, the weather is really, like, crisp and, and like, chill but not cold. And mm-hmm. uh, since my birthday is in October, I just kind of, like... I don't know, general like excitement oh, yeah. kinda of fills me. I was like, Ooh, birthday's coming like l- this little kid Rob right. is like getting excited because when it gets cool and the leaves start to change, it means birthday presents are coming.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, man. Yeah. Also speaking it's just of really little nice. kid Rob. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Speaking of little kid Rob, I see you've shaved your uh your beard. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back <laughs> to my baby
0: face. It's funny, it's like I drop a couple of years when I shave.
1: I feel like I gain like 20 pounds when I shave. So I don't like, I feel like my face looks really <laughs> fat, so I never do it. That's anymore. that's true.
0: It does, it does help kind of like hide the contours. Just like, I don't know what's under here. Hmm.
1: Yeah, like, does he just have a thick beard or mm-hmm. fat cheeks? I, I'm not sure. So I'll go with a thick beard. Yeah. But when you don't have that, it's <laughs> obvious.
0: <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I always, I kind of treat the beard as kind of a seasonal thing where usually I'll, I think I had it for like a full year though before, but, usually i guess non-covid times i'll shave it in the summer and then kind of grow it back late fall definitely good to have a face scarf in the winter and all that um and i feel like um i get tired of the beard sometimes like it'll irritate me um you know unless you keep it like at the perfect length um kind of gets a little little scritchy Mm -hmm. and uh also, if you shave it once in a while, then you know it changes things up. It's like, oh, this is my face. I forgot. And then when the beard comes, it's like, <laughs> oh, wow. It's been a while since I had a beard. So it's always exciting.
1: <laughs> That's true. That's true. Oh, I like up. that. I forgot my face. Yeah. Oh, this oh, yeah, is what's under here. Yeah. My face is here. Oh. <laughs> Hi, face. hmm Yeah. Uh, well, Damn. what else has been new? You started a new job, I think, since we last podcasted, right? I'm
0: trying to remember what if we had if i had Maybe talked about had that or not started. i, I might have just started it's been a while since we podcasted i need to look that up um but it's funny i was i was getting all excited about doing so many podcasts about like music and stuff and uh astronomy but uh, we never got around to that <laughs> stuff's been busy but yeah. um the new job is it really is. great i keep i don't know i kind of keep waiting for like the honeymoon phase to wear off and you start hating work again Um, I don't know, which it might happen. I, you know, I'm never say never, but I look around at the other employees who've been there for like over a year and they seem genuinely like positive and happy to be there. Um, when I was in that's good, man, that's a good sign. Yeah. And I mean, that's like a big part of why I joined that team too. Um, oh, so for anyone who doesn't know, or I don't remember if this was in the last episode, that the company is teachers pay teachers which uh, the short explanation is that it's this online marketplace uh, they don't they don't actually create any content um, but it's kind of like Amazon where it's a storefront where a teacher if you're creating a really great worksheet or a board game or an activity for your classroom uh, you know from kindergarten all the way up to 12th grade um, for whatever kind of subject matter, if it's something digital that you can upload, like a PDF or even a Google slideshow, uh, you can put it on that site and sell it. Usually, you know, maybe like a dollar to five dollars, and they also have a lot of freebies. And basically, the the ethos of the whole company is to like lift all teachers up. Uh, it's you know, obviously, we want to make their lives easier. I got a little taste of this when I taught English for one year after graduating. And I remember um, trying to come up with like Mad Libs and activities to make grammar interesting. Um, And it's like one thing you do for like a group of six-year-olds is not going to work for your group of eight-year-olds. And so you got to like come up with constant new stuff. Like I thought it would just be like here's my knowledge, (laughs) absorb it, (laughs) but no, you have to like (laughs) package it in like interesting stuff. And all of that takes like time and effort. I also, I don't know, I grew up with a textbook for all of my classes. And um, I just kind of imagined as a teacher that you just open the textbook and there's everything. But in reality, there's so much (laughs) more outside of that. So I definitely uh, spent many nights, you know, up to like midnight, late, late night trying to come up with interesting things from scratch, you know, off the top of my head. Had I known about this website, I could just go there and, you know, for a dollar, get a, a cool activity about conjugating verbs. So that's kind of like the the thing that we're trying to solve is help teachers, um, you know, spend time just on the teaching part, not so much on the prep part. Um, and also the kind of the getting back to what I was going to say with the ethos of the company is sharing the collective wisdom of teachers. That's kind of like one of their taglines. And what they mean by that is, um, you know, teachers, I don't really know how to express this. Well, you get to the point where you really kind of know what works and what doesn't for your topic, Mm -hmm. your subject area. And, A lot of times teachers are working in isolation. Even if you're at a school, you know, you're not necessarily teaching the same thing. And it's not very, it's not always a collaborative thing. So the idea here is, well, if not collaborating one-on-one, um, you can at least share the stuff that you've created and other people can bring that into their classrooms and then vice versa, you know, maybe that'll free you up to, you know, be inspired to create something of your own and then put that into the marketplace Um, yeah, so that's kind of like what the whole company is. And, uh, when I interviewed with them and other places, you know, it was, I interviewed at a lot of interesting companies, but this one was just so nice and so positive. And I couldn't tell if that was just the interview or, or if that's how people really were. But so far, you know, I've been there for maybe two months now or a month and a half. Um, everyone's really great. And when I was in Chicago, uh, the last weekend, uh, for your Mm -hmm. bachelor party, which will remain confidential, (laughs) uh, we, uh, I I met up with a couple of employees who live in Chicago product managers. And, uh, one is, is the guy that I work with on a regular basis. He's like on my pod or my team He's about to move to California. So like, this is probably the only chance I would get to meet him in person. (laughs) And then, uh, another person who's been with the company for a little over a year joined us, also a product manager. And, uh, it was just, it was really great to meet her in particular to get kind of the unbiased view. Like she's been there for a while and she still loves the company and she's like not jaded. So, uh, it's long winded answer of, uh, you know, saying that I think it's, I think it'll be good. For the long run.
1: Yeah, man, I've been doing this like job hunting for a long time. And like, that's one of the things I've been reading about like, questions you should always ask your interviewer is like, can I meet some other people from the
0: company? Yeah, that's a <laughs> like, good idea.
1: Just for a quick, like, coffee or in this case, like maybe a quick zoom. Cause yeah, you do learn a lot, even if they're not willing to say anything outwardly about the country or company, you like learn a lot about like just the, the way that they talk about it or their body language and stuff as they talk about it. Yeah. But that, yeah, I mean, that's so important. Like I've definitely started jobs where it's been like, uh, like you, you kind of meet people like, Oh, this is great. Everybody seems so chill. And people are like, just wait. just wait you'll see how it is oh yeah (laughs) i was like oh great like this when is the implosion gonna happen you know right um but no it seems like you found a really great place and i think that company's awesome like i mean from like my time as a like teaching music and and just being a student at like northwestern like we'd always like bring specific people in to cover specific topics you know i mean like there's a guy who's like Are just like a wizard with like drum rolls, right? Just the concept of rolling on the drum. And like, so everyone's got their thing, right? That Mm -hmm. they're like really good at. But that doesn't mean you need to be like an all star at teaching like every single topic on drums or on percussion. So I think it's really cool, this idea, like um, for just like general classroom teachers to be able to have like, well, I don't have to be like, develop like an amazing you know, activity for everything I teach, but maybe I'll Mm -hmm. have that one really great thing that I do that I'm really good at. And then I can contribute that. Yeah. Like other people will want that. And we can all like collectively, like you're saying, collectively collective wisdom standard, right? Yeah. 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 For sure. That's great. I I love it. Need some more of that. Yeah. General.
0: (laughs) And, and it's also on a professional level, it's interesting to join, a company that has, you know, their own company culture, their own team structure, and their own way of working. And there's so much more just independence. And independence can be interpreted, you know, in many ways. Actually, when I was interviewing, I was kind of afraid of the word independence because it sounded like, oh, there's going to be a lot on my shoulders. Like, that's a lot of pressure. They're all just going to be, like, looking at me like, well, okay, we're just waiting for Rob to have the answer. But... (laughs) <laughs> this is independence in the way that I would say it's more like respect um, and trust. Uh, they they value your professional opinion and you're supported by all the other people. So like as a designer Wait,
1: are you telling me this didn't happen at your last job?
0: Not at all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was a joke yes this is uh i had a feeling it's just
0: so different from uh from my last job which uh everyone will know if they've listened to the podcast before but um <laughs> yeah by so by con i guess contrast is a good way to explain it so like in my previous role i was a designer and i was on a team they have a lot of designers and a lot of hierarchy so i was on a team with like at first with four designers and I switched to a different team working on a different thing with like six designers. Um, And so it's like, first of all, everything's distributed across many designers. So you, you might have your own project, but you're not really totally the only one working on that or the only one thinking of a solution for something, which on paper sounds great. Like you get more brains on a particular problem, Um, but emotionally it it was kind of, I don't know, uh, difficult because you never, uh, without full responsibility, you also never had full credit or full pride or anything, you know, when something like, I'm definitely proud of like a lot of the stuff that we launched and created. Like, it's cool that I got to play a part of that, but there's no single piece of the product that i can point to and be like hey i did that um because it was touched by so many hands and even if um right even if i was the only one like coming up with a design the way you know that company worked was like 18 reviews would happen where okay i would share it with my manager she would have some feedback and um you know even if it's good feedback that's still just kind of like another step in the cycle and then uh prepare that into like a keynote presentation or powerpoint for our director of design and then they would have different feedback and also people are like not so involved with a project so it's like you don't really know the full context and you're giving me all this feedback and then you know you just kind of like take this idea and shop it around the whole company like 19 times so it would take like six months for anything to actually get built So that was also part of the frustration was like how long it takes anything to get built. I, if I had to summarize it, I would say their work philosophy was like measure 19 times and cut once. (laughs) So it's like, it sounds. Yeah, but probably also change the measurement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Almost 19 times. I I almost make it sound like you got
1: to the same (laughs) measurement every time.
0: Yeah, I, I made, I made it sound like that was a very, um a very rigorous way, but I, it's, I wouldn't describe it as rigorous as much as I would describe it as like inefficient, uh, a lot of just kind of redundant stuff. Um, so anyway, back to the new company where everything is wonderful. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm i the only designer on my team, but I collaborate with a product manager who, you know, really focuses as a designer. I also have to focus on the business side of things, but um This is, you know, their role as a product manager is to only focus on that. Um, I'm focusing on the design. I work with engineers, which is also just really crazy because I never really worked with engineers at the other job. I just kind of like hand things off to them. Like, here you go, build it. Um, And I'm actually getting ideas (laughs) and input and feedback from them. Um, And even though I am getting some feedback and I'm sharing what I create with other people to ask them what they think, that's like a week maybe two weeks and then it's done and then they're building it. So I've been at this company, like I said, uh, a couple months and there's already like two or three things that have launched. Um, And that's really cool. I think the first was it. I was there for four weeks and launched my first design uh, update. And at my last company, I think it was about six months or so before Anything I had worked on was oh my built. Gosh. Yeah, so it's crazy. And, it, crazy, and it's also kind of like this like badge of honor at uh, at the other place of like, whoa, congrats, you f- you launched something. Or people be like, oh, have you launched anything? It was like like getting it- you actually, yeah, you actually, something. it actually made it out into the world. Um, and here it's just like all the time, like okay, let's just build it, put it out there, and we'll just. We'll watch the data. We'll check out the results. Are people clicking on it or not? You know, or are we getting hate mail saying how terrible it is? Okay. And, the, the, you know, I have this attitude of like, well, if it's bad, we'll just fix it. Like, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Whereas the other company was yeah, like, God use, forbid we do anything that's bad.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Do you guys use Agile?
0: Yeah. So okay,
1: I figured. But I, think, I mean, it sounds very iterative what you're doing, right? Like, yeah. don't worry, make, make mistakes. Fine. You just, the next. Sprint, you'll fix it, right?
0: I don't remember if this yeah. was on a podcast or in one of our conversations when you were learning about Agile and stuff and project management about how uh, we, at my last job, we got like this month-long training and all this stuff about Agile technique and then no one ever used it. Like we used, we used a sprint uh, system called JIRA and we have scrum activities like uh, morning stand-up where we say what we're working on. But the actual work that is produced, like I said, um, you know, you can move tickets along your sprint and then and then, you know, say, like, continue working on that in the next sprint. And then for like five months, um doesn't make it agile. And then at this company, we are actually agile. So it's it's crazy. I'm still adjusting. Because like I'm I'm really hesitant now, like I'm brainwashed a little bit. I'm like, ooh, I don't know if it's if it's done done. Like I don't know if you should start building it yet. Maybe give me a few more days to like look <laughs> at it again. Um, you know, because I'm like afraid that it's gonna come out wrong. Um but then sometimes I'll I'll wake up to a Slack message and they'll be like, Oh, it's built. <laughs> okay, let's go for it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just seems so much better to be in this situation, though, because, like, yeah. I mean, I think in the other way, I mean, it doesn't even sound like it was waterfall at Amazon, but it was, like, I don't know, some kind of hybrid, agile thing, mm-hmm. but, like, you never had, like, there was no definition of done, yeah. like, and there was no like I feel like that in that place. It's like great is the enemy of good, or like totally perfect is the enemy of great, or whatever the saying is. You know, like instead of just like do something good and get it out there, and then like next time you'll make it better. Yeah, it's just like you don't ever put anything out, and people get like. I mean, how frustrating if you've been asking for a feature as a user, and it takes oh like God. six months for that update to come out. Right. <laughs>
0: like, exactly, and and that's just yeah. like the the that's such the production impact of that work balance the emotional and like job political climate was also that um when you delay and when you churn and you spend forever to get something out what what that's doing is it's putting more pressure on the outcome and therefore putting more pressure on the owner of that outcome and so it's like when something doesn't perform well it's like a shitstorm, and it's this red alert all hands on deck you know we're gonna be working late hours now to fix this thing because it didn't go like we thought it would oh my god heads are gonna roll like we've been working on this forever and now it's not meeting the goals that we wanted and you know this executive and the business is not happy and it's just like all that stuff all that emotional baggage and just toxicities is like totally unnecessary You bring it upon yourself when, when you set up your whole work organization like that. Ooh, that felt good.
1: (laughs) Rob, let's take a pause because, um, the, I need to get my other headphones because like the video is like seconds behind or seconds ahead of my audio and these Bluetooth ones. Okay. It's like getting really delayed. So just keep the recording. Say we're going to take a pause and right. I'm going to keep it going, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, let me go get those. Be right back. All
0: right. And now we're back from our break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah all right um so yeah over the over our post-marriage bachelor party or guys weekend <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: which by the way involved no debauchery yeah no. you can't really have a lot of debauchery once you're already married not that i really wanted to to begin with but we <laughs> did a lot of fun just guy things
0: yeah a bunch you of know. nerdy guy things probably <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's true we <laughs> it's had the tamest bachelor party industry yeah,
0: we uh, we took turns playing with the vr headset that was pretty fun
1: yeah we played some top golf yep
0: and uh and heard then of
1: top golf i'm sure you have
0: it's like a driving range if you haven't heard of it but i yeah. a
1: driving range with games it's like an arcade yeah
0: i really enjoyed it um a lot i didn't i didn't really know what to expect i just figured You know, I'd participate and be really bad at it, but um, the games made it fun. The way they design it, um, they can track the ball really well. And so, you know, you can have kind of like this overlay of where the balls are going on, on your TV screen. And so if you're not trying to hit, you know, just a particular hole, you can, you know... It'll be like uh what's it like bejeweled where you have like these three colors and so you gotta mm-hmm. aim to have your ball hit this kind of this quadrant of of the field and um I thought it was pretty cool.
1: Yeah. You don't actually have to be like super good at golf to have fun. Yeah. Like there are games you can play there that like the better you are at golf, the you know, the better it will be. But mostly like even if you're like not like hitting it exactly where you want to you still like end up making points a little bit like bowling, right? Yeah. You don't have to be like a really awesome bowler to have fun bowling. I think that's probably where they got a lot of their inspiration now that I think about it.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. It kind of felt like bowling. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I think one of my favorite parts was doing the go karting. That was really cool and a lot faster than I expected. <laughs> um, I uh, I I was I was dead last and being in fact being lapped <laughs> I, I don't know if it was multiple times but at least once by some people um and then it was like overall like after multiple rounds I got second to last which is pretty or no I got 6 out of 8 but that's a technicality um Yeah there you go. Yeah. Anyway, uh yeah. I thought it was a lot of fun but I was definitely I kind of got into there and I was like how how are you like we all have the same carts and like how i i don't i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't fathom faster. yeah like what is the what is causing such a big difference like we're all clearly trying to go as fast as we can and like trying to take this corner as fast as i can but i also don't want to like spin out and um and i think you were getting yeah. like first and second all the time that was amazing <laughs> <laughs> Do you just play a lot of computer games or have you done well, go karting you know, to
1: be fair uh, a little of all that. I mean, I... Let's say that, like, I mean, first of all, I picked the activities for the guys weekend, so, like, you know, naturally, right, the stuff I was good at because the stuff I really enjoyed doing. I mean, but, I really wanted um, to do it
0: anyway, and I'm not that good at it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. I, I hope it, everyone's just like, oh, Alex just picked all the stuff he's gonna win at.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, driving cars fast, I think, will definitely be fun, no matter how skilled you right, are. Right, <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
1: So, like, um... Yeah, there is, so there's a thing called the racing line in in racing, which you would think like, well, that's the track, right? Well, hmm. sort of, but there is a shortest distance around the track, hmm. even with all the barriers that the track has. There's a shortest way around, and that's considered the racing line. And a big part of getting a shorter time is knowing how to drive that racing line. So not just following the course as it's drawn, but actually taking the shortest distance around all those turns. Yeah. Right? Um. Usually, what that requires is having a wide entry to the turn, so like staying on the outside of the track as you approach a turn, and then hitting the inside of the track as you go through the turn, so that like mm-hmm. you're not like taking a long loop like this. You're going like that across the track right. like flat across. If it. you had and that's the shortest distance. If you had
0: two circles, mm-hmm. it's like having a, a small circle and then a larger circle, but it's offset. A, you know, a little bit. So, like the right. large curve is like away from the inner circle, mm-hmm. but then eventually the, they converge. So that way it comes really close after the turn. At least that's kind of how I would right. describe it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you have a smaller circle inside a larger circle, the smaller circle obviously has a smaller circumference, mm-hmm. right? So that's a shorter distance than going around the outside, right? Um, So that's kind of where the idea comes from. And then when you're dealing with high speed things like these carts were high speed, you're actually, you know, your best bet is to like use the brakes and then turn in hard enough that you can get on the gas again. And Mm. part of this is all this depends on how the track is laid out. If you're, you know, if you're approaching like a long straightaway, which there weren't too many long, it was like one straightaway and it was kind of short. But if you,
0: they probably did that on it, like, purpose, so that way you didn't have a bunch of people getting too fast and then smash,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then smashing, right? Yeah, that's how they set it up for like you know. I'm sure when they do like actually the karting like tournaments, there or like the the like leagues, they probably use that whole space, and then you can actually get at high speed for longer. But if you think about it, it takes some time to get your kart your cart or your car to top speed. And the longer you're at top speed, the shorter your time is going to be, right? Because you're traveling faster more often. So it's actually really important how you exit the turn before because if you exit it in a way that you can get on the power sooner, you'll be at the top speed faster and therefore you'll be way faster in that section. Hmm. Versus if you do a bad job turning... And you're kind of like, you can't quite get the power down that fast. That's like wasted tenths of a second, you know, that are happening while you're trying to speed up. And that's a good, that's usually where people end up passing is when they have that moment to like try to set up the turn so that they're really going to maximize their speed in the straightaway versus like the fastest way through the turn. So then you're not taking the shortest distance anymore. You're setting it up a different way so that you're going to go faster on the straightaway Mm. than the person in front of you might. Yeah, so it's all—it's like a lot of cat and mouse too because someone, like you say, well, why doesn't the person in front of you then just also do the same thing? Well, it's because to do that, you have to leave a big opening on the inside.
0: Oh, right. And so if you
1: notice the cart in front of you is trying to do that speed thing, you can get kind of cut your way in front of them by cutting the corner and then you're both going slow, but mm-hmm. you're in front and that's a big... Ah, so big, it's, it's you know, this advantage. compromise of yeah.
0: the most efficient or the fastest position is also a weaker strategic position so you kind of have to know when to do it and when to hold on to your uh position in the race that's pretty cool
1: right and you have to know who's like behind you if someone's behind you you have to change the way you think because like you can't just always drive the fastest way around because you might be leaving that gap for somebody to get you know and cut you off kind of
0: you know, having no experience what my first thoughts of it were when I got in there I was um I was trying to take the the inside of the curve um all the time, like stay really close because I was thinking um that the closer I am to the wall the like the less geographic distance there there is, and that'd be more efficient like when you're watching the Olympics. And it's just a, it's an oval track, and then you know you got the person on the inside and then person on the outside. The outside track is technically mm-hmm. longer than the inside one, and so they like they offset it a little bit where their starting positions are. Um, and I was kind of thinking of it like like that in the sense of okay, if I want the shortest track, I want to try and be on the inside as much as possible. But then. The closer you are to the inside, the harder it is to like turn, especially at a high speed. And I was like switching between heavy brakes to like full gas. And then finally, I, I got this kind of mix of, um, the, the, the cart in, in, in our case would definitely slow down pretty easily if you just let off the gas. So I quit using the brakes altogether and I just kind of like let off the gas in certain parts. And then halfway through the turn, I would step on it and kind of get that. That little momentum, I guess. Um, I wasn't afraid of the cart spinning out in the yep. second half. It's more like coming into the first mm-hmm. half uh, that I wanted to slow down. Things I right. picked up along the way.
1: Right. And that's like one of the things that the the pros are so good at. And like when they get really in tune with their own car is that they can feel Like when the back is about to lose control, like when they've put the gas down, Mm. and you know, you you have the potential of spinning out because you put too much power through the back wheels, and then it sends the cart flying around. But they 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 get a real good feel where that line is, Hmm. and like the better you are at that, the more power you're getting down, right? Like you're actually maximizing the potential of the car. Yeah, Yeah.
0: that's cool. Um, I just yeah, Yeah. so it was fun.
1: I I had a great time, and like, yeah, go ahead.
0: No, I was just, I was just thinking, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun doing the, doing the carts. And I was thinking of this topic in general, because apparently there's like a, there's a whole, you can get like an F1 account and and stream them online. How do you watch the races usually? Like over the weekend, over that weekend, you got up early to watch Um, them. actually... Was that just on ESPN or something?
1: Yeah. Yep. They're on ESPN. Uh, ESPN has the U.S. rights. So... Um, I mean, I don't have a cable subscription, but my parents do. <laughs> so I log in through theirs and I can stream it. Nice. Yeah, so I watch a lot of things, honestly, because I really don't want to buy cable.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How did you get into watching that? It's one of those things that like, um, you know, same goes for golf. Like my friend Chris actually watches golf and I could not think of anything more boring to watch Um, not the F1 is boring, but I'm just thinking like, (laughs) it's more of like one of those obscure things. And it's just like, how do you, um, how do you begin that interest? Um, I guess with golf, maybe if you're really good at it, then you would enjoy watching it, but it's not like you're a really good race car driver, (laughs) but, uh, I imagine it's fun just to watch the cars go fast.
1: Yeah. I mean, It's like, well, basically, I got into it because a friend of mine in grad school was into it. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that's probably how a lot of people get into it. They're just like, someone like, it's like word of mouth. Someone's like, have you ever watched this? It's really cool. And like, if you don't have somebody kind of holding your hand through the first little bit, it seems really boring because you're like, it's just like pictures of cars going faster on a track, but you can't really understand the picture of the race because the racetracks are so huge. They can never like, you never like hardly Mm. see anyone like gaining on somebody else. They're like seconds apart, you know, but you learn how to like watch the timers. And then like when, when cars do get close, it gets really interesting to watch. Yeah. But a lot of it, yeah, honestly, is just watching like these like time stamps on the (laughs) side and like seeing them get closer or farther apart. And there's all this strategy with tires and stuff. It really does take like, A little while to understand how the whole sport works, but Mm -hmm. if you're like, one way that people are getting into it now is that Netflix has a has a show called Drive to Survive that's been on for two seasons now, and Mm. it touches on all the like drama and all the like the little like insider like dynamics in the teams and like how there's like these weird little uh weird little things play out like rivalries between different drivers and stuff. They do a really good job actually at making it like a very human and relatable thing. Cause it's when you watch it on a, a race weekend, it, it seems not very human at all. It's just like, yeah, very mechanical and like, you know, strategy driven. And, um, occasionally you, you do see some awesome driving where like two drivers are like really close together and they're like playing that cat and mouse thing we were talking about. You can see how one's like defending from the other. And, um, that is really cool. But, but yeah, a lot of it's just trying to like understand the strategy and, and all of that, but I do recommend that Drive to Survive show if you have any interest in it.
0: Hmm. Yeah, um,
1: we'll and then it. golf. Like I was just like little. I was like, well, uh, I think I was eight, and I did a golf camp. Like my mom was like, you yeah, I should try this golf camp, and so my brother and I did it. And then I just kind of like I never like played it religiously, but mm-hmm. I little by little over like I don't know twenty, <laughs> like going on twenty five years now. I've yeah played, and so you know you get kind of good at it after a while
0: it's funny and in michigan golf seems to be a big thing i guess they have a lot of golf courses and um i know they they have some tournaments there but um so yeah i had like a summer golf lesson or whatever and my takeaway from that was i'm I'm really bad at golf (laughs) and so i just quit trying um just kind of shut that down pretty much how it goes for all sports and 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 rob um (laughs) i hated soccer when i was little i had no idea what was going on and i was like all the kids are are like you know trying to get up to the ball so that they can kick it and i tried and then i'd get so frustrated because yeah, all right you know and then it's like i have another strategy i'm just gonna not try and then when the ball like happens to go stray then i'll run and i'll grab the ball um while well, everyone else, uh, you know, we call it magnet ball where like all the kids are just hovering around the ball. I just, yeah. um, yeah, did not have a good time. Oh my God. And then t-ball, um, and baseball. Yeah. It was also, I was in Texas and it was like a million degrees outside and I'm learning for the first time what this sport is. I'm just like, ah, why do I, I, my mom jokes, um, this this thing that i said when i was little she said one time she was in the bleachers and she uh saw me i was like in as like close to the bleachers i guess and i looked up i'm sitting in the grass just like plucking the grass and i look up at my mom and i said why do you make me do this (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so now i play video games and podcast indoors yeah
1: yeah why play sports when you can play sports on video games yeah right <laughs> the video games are so much better at it than i am i know so like, it makes it more satisfying <laughs> i just
0: saw a trailer for the um, new forza um mm-hmm. on xbox looks beautiful
1: oh is it the Hor- forza horizon forza
0: forza horizons uh, 5 horizon 5? yeah and it's coming in November. Yeah, i don't have an yeah. xbox but i think it's also on the pc
1: Hopefully, that'll be on Game Pass because I think um, so. Horizon, Forza Horizon 4 was, and I enjoyed playing that one yeah. quite a bit, yeah. And now I got my racing wheel that you guys yeah. also generously bought me. Man, that's, that's oh, so cool. Man. You can, yeah, like, feel it. I've been having it. fun with that. It
0: takes a little while to get set up, but... Yeah, and you feel the, like, the road yeah. in the wheel or what?
1: Right, like it like feeds back. So like when you're turning, you probably felt this when you are karting. Mm-hmm. You can kind of feel the tension or like this little bit of sliding that your kart's trying to do because it's like trying to grip. Mm-hmm. But the the centrifugal force is like forcing it in one direction. You feel that in the the steering wheel. Wow. Um, That's as awesome. you're going around, it like kind of resists you a little bit. You know. Yeah. It's pretty cool.
0: I wonder if they're gonna if there would be a. um you, you talked a little bit about how in f1 racing at least you know things are super regulated there's a regulatory body and so like making changes to the cars probably takes a long time um and i and i often look at tesla and feel like they're a consumer car but they're also trying to market them as like a race car almost and and i wonder if um you know, for fairness, you probably want electric on ele- against electric, although there's a lot of cool drag racing videos on, like, Tesla beating out Porsches and Ferrari and stuff uh, on on a straight drag. But uh, it'd be kind of interesting if there's an offshoot of, like, an electric yeah. vehicle uh, high-speed racing thing. Their, their newest one, in case you didn't know, um, this made me think of it, is the Model S Plaid. They just announced it a few days ago, I think. And it has uh, gets to uh, sixty in one point nine nine seconds. Top speed of two hundred, and they that's not even that's like the Model S. There's also a faster one called the Roadster for people who aren't like Tesla fans like I am. And the Roadster is like their sports car, their Ferrari. Um, It's like (laughs) so expensive, but um, they have a SpaceX add-on package which gives you rocket boosters and you can get to 60 in like 1.2 seconds or 1.1 it's like ludicrous um and so i'm just thinking like Uh. i need to see professionals like racing these (laughs) literally ludicrous mode yeah literally (laughs) but that'd be that'd be cool i don't know what you think about that like uh, electric
1: well i mean it's so interesting yeah, there is an electric racing series uh called Formula E. Oh, cool. Um I think that it's right now it's not that great. I mean, it's okay. It's fun to watch, but they race on such small circuits. I think it's because of the um like the the just the range that they have in the cars mm-hmm. to keep going at that speed. But, um, yeah, I think eventually it will basically kind of replace F1. I don't know if that's true. That's kind of how I feel about it. Mm. But they'll actually be able to, like, have the battery capacity to race on, like, you know, full Grand Prix distances, which are, like, quite long. I mean, like, 78 laps of, like, a 1.5-mile track. It's, like, a a long way to go at at full, you know, full performance for that long. Mm -hmm. Um, But, what's yeah, I mean, the torque that's in an electric car is what makes it so interesting because... Unlike a, a regular combustion engine car, when you like mash the gas down, it's just sending like a lot of fuel into the system, mm-hmm. and, so that, and that triggers off a chemical reaction, which is hard to control unless you have a lot of really fancy electronics attached to the car. Yeah. But the electric motor, it's already being controlled by electronics, so you like mash the gas, it's- and it goes... I know one exactly how fast I can go without speeding out, mm-hmm. without spinning out. So I'm only going to put that much power, even though you mash the gas. I'm going to give you a perfect
0: start. Oh uh, yeah, 100 percent like full yeah, full so you grip. you actually go really yeah. fast. Wow.
1: Uh huh. And you get to your top speed super fast, which is why there's zero to sixty times. I so didn't fast. know
0: that. That's uh, there's no
1: spooling up, right? Uh yeah yeah. It's it's pretty amazing. My friend just bought a Model Three, and he took me driving in it. And like, you got to ride in it. We went up. Uh, I got to ride in a Model 3, yeah. Um, and we went up on this on-ramp, and then we started at, like, maybe 10 miles an hour. And he just, like, put his foot down. And, like, at the end of the on-ramp, he's like, all right, I got to let off before we get to the highway, because like, he was already going 85. And it was, like, I mean, that was, like, three seconds. Wow. We were going 85 miles an hour, and it was crazy. I mean, and, like, it felt, like, so in control. I mean, even if you do that in a... You can do that in some cars mm-hmm. that are combustion engines, but it feels like... Oh my god, this car is like gonna erupt. Like it's right. like the so RPMs much power and everything. It. That was just yeah. like like a spaceship like taking off. You know, it was just like Just it's very, went.
0: yeah, direct power.
1: <laughs> it was so cool. Yeah, I, I really want one.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, you know. It's my dream car. Not in the cards at the moment. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny like y- And I think why they did them. Oh, go ahead.
1: I think why they did the uh, the whole Tesla thing, like why they are the way they are, they're not like the most efficient things or like the most practical, but that was the whole point I think, right? That Musk was doing. It's like, I have to design something that's more like an iPad (laughs) than it is like a desktop computer. You're right. It just has to be like, so cool. You want one.
0: I think that was like his original mission was, um, that he, he wanted the world to transition to electric. And the way that he saw to do it is, yeah, like Apple or whatever, is to make it desirable. So, it, you know, you could get a Prius or whatever, and you know, I, I think Prius is is pretty good. I, you know, would want one if if I could afford it. Um, it was a little expensive when I was actually comparing it to my Subaru, but um, but in terms of, like, sex appeal, you know, the Tesla has it all. And I think that's definitely his goal is to, like, make them desirable, you know, give you that sense of FOMO. And um, I think definitely the public is coming around on this because I see a lot more on the road. But I just remember, like, so much um, pushback against it, not from people like me, of course, but from, like, car people, uh, you know, like gearheads or whatever. They're, like, you know, they think that electric Mm -hmm. is is puny or whatever and it's it's just just odd because it's like there's so much power in it like you said so much torque and like um you know even with pickups i don't i haven't really looked into it i don't know if you have um but you know there's the f-150 they came out with an electric version and i was was telling my wife and she's like oh yeah but that demographic would never buy an electric car and i was like yeah but tell them how much torque it gets (laughs) and you know they can pull stuff or you know right yeah. yeah. If you get get the right tires, you know, rip out a tree trunk or something.
1: I think that's where, that's where people are going to come around, really, I think, is that, like, the, these cars are going to outperform... I mean, it's like people who are holdouts maybe on, like, iPhones. Like, oh, I have a cell phone. It's fine. But then you realize the performance of this device is, like, just so superior to what you had in a normal cell phone that it's like, okay, I'm going to get one. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think that's true for electric, too. Like, you can keep... Eventually like the gas is going to be real expensive i think cuz i think the production is going to start to wane as electric cars take take hold and then the price of getting gas is just going to be higher and it's going mm-hmm. to become just more and more feasible to buy an electric car and not only that like you'll be getting this thing that's like far superior as a as a what it's supposed to do like whatever you're trying to do with it yeah that paired with all the, like the fact that I think autonomous driving is probably coming, Yep. you know, like that's going to be a thing that like, are you, don't want to be the person that doesn't have the car that drives itself, you know, like <laughs> there will be that FOMO aspect of that too. Yeah. Like, you know, you can't do that in a, in a road, a regular road car. It's going to have sure. to be a car that you buy. That's electric.
0: Did you see so. any of that in, in your model three test drive? Did you, did it have the autonomous?
1: Yeah, he had, um, he, uh, it did have, it. I mean, it, it, you can get it enabled, right? And then, like, mm-hmm. you can't drive with it fully autonomous, obviously. Not yet. yet. But yeah. like, it has like the autopilot mode right now. So like, if you're on the interstate, it will like drive you all the way until you know, like, all as the interstate curves and everything, it will do that all for you. But as soon as you want to exit or anything or change lanes, you have to do that yourself, um, which is like most cars. I think not most cars, but a lot of cars will do that now. Um, mm-hmm. The cool thing about the Model 3, though, is that you would see the, like, on the screen, as you're doing that mode, you see all, all the LIDARs picking up, like, all the cameras and stuff, like, all the traffic around you in a digital representation. So mm. you know that it sees everything. It even sees traffic cones. It sees trash cans. They show that's, up in this little cool. animated representation as you're driving. And I think that's all designed to make you more comfortable with it as they roll out the autonomous thing. It's like, oh, well, this thing does see everything. It sees people. It sees, you know, so, like... Yeah. That makes sense. I think that's what it's for, really.
0: There is um, there also some, you know, if people are interested in this and want to look it up, I stum—I don't know the exact video anymore, but I, you could probably search for it on YouTube. Basically, it was a, a clip compilation of models th- or Tesla. Um, I don't know if it was a Model 3, but just Tesla vehicles um, saving lives, like avoiding accidents. For a while, uh, there were things on YouTube just because I follow Tesla a lot about like terrible, like Tesla accidents, you know, idiots who are like turn on the autopilot and they like take a nap or whatever. And they get in this terrible accident. And, um, it, it raised a lot of skepticism as to like, oh, well, I don't know, maybe this is too dangerous for people to have, but I think this is pretty great. If you look it up on the flip side of, you know, Tesla avoiding accidents S- case after case where the, that computer vision and the reaction time of a computer much better than a, than a human, um, particularly with rear collisions. I thought it was interesting. There was, uh, for example, like a four-car pileup, and the Tesla was uh, at the front, and um, it was like slow traffic or whatever. This truck comes in, hits a car, they roll in, hit the third car, and then... That car is about to smash into this Tesla, but then the Tesla just goes bzoop, and and you know again using its instant acceleration, um, basically gets out of the way really quickly. Um, and then same thing when like uh, there's like a s- semi truck that was kind of veering into this guy's lane, and like the second it got too close, the car immediately um, went a little bit into the median, uh, not median, but whatever that uh, margin on the side of the road is (laughs) shoulder shoulder yeah um so stuff like that and i just thought it was was pretty impressive and some of that stuff by the way is even with autopilot disabled those are just like safety features it'll you know as long as it's not going to hit another car it will like move you out of the way um it's pretty cool but yeah i don't know i could yak on about tesla for a while it's an amazing
1: vehicle they're cool right (laughs) i mean definitely yeah I it, it was just like I, i've only been in a few and it's always like the coolest experience i mean everything about it the moon roof there you can Man. see everything i've never been in one <laughs> uh it's just great it feels like a few you're in the future i mean and it's so minimal inside there's just like nothing almost around you except this screen that's operating the whole car yeah and of course it's got all these funny things on it too like you can like uh because the audio system is really good and like f- comes from different panels and everything, that like you can like pre- t- like play jokes on people in the car, so you can like make a fart sound come from like one corner of the car. <laughs> I heard about that. Driver. It's like a whoopee
0: cushion <laughs> thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And then you can like play music out the external speakers or like you can do a really funny thing like make your car do like the coconuts from Monty Python as you're going because your car doesn't make any sound, right? Oh. So like as you're like cruising along and it'll be like. T- 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs>
1: it's pretty funny. Wow. I didn't know that. Whoa! Yeah. Yeah. We had some fun with that while we were
0: sitting Who there. But- Who goes
1: there? Yeah. It is I, Arthur, son of Uther Pendragon from the castle of Camelot, king of the Britons, defeater of the Saxons sovereign of all england what ridden on a horse yes you're using coconuts what you've got two empty halves of coconut and you're banging them together so we have ridden since the snows of winter covered this land through the kingdom of mercia through where'd you get the coconuts we found them found them in mercia the coconut's tropical what do you mean well this is a temperate zone the swallow may fly south with the sun, or the house martin, or the plover may seek warmer climes in winter. Yet these are not strangers to our land. Are you suggesting coconuts migrate?
0: Anyway, that's 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 cool. Um, you know, we we got a car when we move shortly before moving to Philadelphia because my wife would need one for you know going to hospitals and whatnot. And um, and then we, th- so like we got like. The most practical one. Um, And it also had a lot of great features. But um, I guess what I was going to say is that ironically, like, I think I might be able to afford one with the amount of money we get from trading in our current car. So that's almost paid off. But uh, if I trade that in and like put down a good chunk of money, the monthly payment would probably be doable uh, to get a Tesla in like another year or two but at that point we'll probably be back in new york city we won't need a car so i don't know i do really like even in new york having (laughs) that freedom of like you know let's let's go upstate or whatever but um but yeah i don't know we'll see if i get one or not (laughs) that'd be cool yeah yeah
1: well i mean like it seems like they cost about twice what a normal car costs i mean like it's in the range of like, like to get it outfitted at least the way my friend did. It was like fifty two thousand, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, Model three, which you know they market them at like what thirty nine or something like that. So it seems like you, if you got it bare bones, you could probably you know do it for less. But like, you know, most people, I guess, like a normal car costs in like the mid twenties. Yeah, you might say like it's pretty standard. So like, yeah, it's about double what that would be. So I mean like maybe there'll be a situation too where like, okay, like maybe my wife and I both want a new car in a few years and it's like, well, let's just get one car. Cause we're like working from home. Like nobody works in offices anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, let's just get one car and we'll get this really nice Tesla. And instead of both of us getting a new car or something, you know what I mean? Like something like that.
0: Well, and I mentioned, I mean, this might be, you know, far in the future, but, um, elon has mentioned that like when it does have the self-driving capability it could literally you know go take you to work and then go back home by itself and then your wife would be able to use it and it could be a two-person car as it like ferries around other people and he's even mentioned plans of um you could monetize your your car by uh when you go to bed at night or when you're home like after dinner or whatever turn on taxi mode and then like lyft or uber if people call a car your car could just be like bye and then you know leave leave your house go pick up someone take them to their destination all automatically and then you get you know um paid for that and you know that could go to your car payment or something so that'd be kind of cool your car actually gets its own job to pay for itself
1: yeah i feel like this is the like ultimate solution to the like uh like our the fact that like autonomy is taking over everything is like maybe we don't actually need to have jobs but we need to own a robot that will do a job for us and that's how we'll make money your job like (laughs) like maybe we just like yeah it's like well like maybe there'll be just like co-ops that start like if like someone wants to open a restaurant they're like okay well we need investors so if you want a job you have to buy this piece of equipment Mm -hmm. for the restaurant that's going to do your job for you and then you'll get pay, you'll get pain when that robot would make. You know like yeah. So like it's still autonomy but like it's like crowdsourced businesses in a way, you know? Maybe that's something well, that'll come up. Maybe we'll do that in the future. Yeah, it's like we'll do that as a as a show topic.
0: It's like if you're if you're wealthy, you can invest in the stock market and you get so wealthy that your money makes money. And so this would be like, you know, in the working class like you your family just Puts puts enough money to buy a robot, and then that robot goes off to make you money. And, uh, yeah, it'd be kind of interesting. Yeah. Let's talk about the future of work yeah. next time. It's
1: not too implausible, at least not for, like, some. Yeah, at least for some, like, uh, industries. Like, it makes sense. Like Especially, like, the trucking industry, right? It's like, mm. well, I don't truck anymore, but I own this truck that drives around all the time and makes me money hauling. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it can go 24 hours a day.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> so
1: man anyway okay yeah we'll talk about the future of work sci-fi future episode that sounds
0: pretty good We should
1: get some more people in on it too like maybe three or four yeah that'd be good
0: maybe or maybe your friend that has the tesla maybe he you know has some ideas about that
1: (laughs) maybe i'll ask
0: him (laughs) (laughs) and we need to do our astronomy podcast yeah we gotta get patrick in here yeah all right well great catching up with you all right yeah all right take it easy rob bye